Yeah, it would be great to go back to a hunter-gatherer lifestyle if there wasn't all the disease and, uh, you know, suffering and violence. But, you know, it's just a world we need to make. If we could just get the human population back to, like, 5 million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there there used to be some stone tablets that had some instructions for us, but... Well, but see, but but the pro the bigger problem is, is then we'd have to worry about that way more advanced civilization always coming down, looking over our shoulders, telling us how to do things. What's never ending to find the beginning that came before everything? Like kids with Dakotas discover the wonder in the. So that also reminds me, I was trying to find this video of this uh, giant in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake and TC were talking about. Not an easy video to find. I hate TikTok for specifically for being unsearchable. You cannot find anything on that website. Um, but I also didn't know that like soldiers were just lying about killing a giant over there. <laughs> Have you heard of this? No, I mean I've 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 obviously heard of over the years of all the different bogus archaeological findings of like thinking that they found giants or thinking that they found the ancestors of Goliath and you know all the stuff that you learn when you're a Christian kid and you're trying to force the biblical history into like the archaeological record. Yeah, no, I mean this. Uh, <laughs> This leads me to think that uh, being in the military might be bad for your mental health. Um, but there's just a bunch of people like being interviewed on this on these different videos that they all, you know, have the the eyewitness voice muddler mm -hmm. and uh, pixelated face and everything, and they're just talking about how you know they lost four good men. This giant came out of the cave and attacked them, but their squad was able to kill it. And in their act after action report, they had people in suits come in and tell them they had to rewrite it. But uh, the reason they don't want this to get out is because giants goes against their Darwinian evolution. Mm. It goes against their science that they want you to believe all of their lies. So is this like, <laughs> so are they saying it's like a human giant or is this like a Sasquatch Yeti type of thing? No, no. Yeah. Like a human looking giant, red hair, red beard, Six fingers, six toes on each hand and mm. foot. Uh, yeah, it's like the Which like is... the cats in the keys. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny though that that's like in the interview the person they're talking. He's like, "Yeah, we killed this giant who came out and blah blah blah." And the person goes, "And how many fingers did it have? Six, six. It had six. It's like <laughs> ah, that. That's how we that's know not... it was real. If you had said five, we would have said this fucker lying." <laughs> Not that strong of a point to drive home. <laughs> Although if he had said four, I would have been like, I saw Avatar. Those, they got four fingers. They're pretty big. Pretty yeah. big. Way bigger than Ex a, way bigger than a man. Except for the, the children of Jake 
the cross the, the hybrid kids they get five yes. fingers that's how you know they're hybrids yeah because or, uh, that's or, how or, the genetics would have worked or uh Sigourney Weaver's kid which we don't know if she got herself she cloned herself before she was killed or if somehow she got pregnant it was Awa her avatar got pregnant with a clone of Sigourney Weaver yeah I also think the genetics would not work out for that, but you know. Well, it's I, I I I think of it like Dolly, Dolly the sheep, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, gave birth to its own clone. That's what I'm yeah. thinking is happening. Because she yeah. was like a biologist scientist over there trying to figure stuff out, and she seems like the type of person to be like, "Oh wow, I've got an avatar body. Let's see if I can uh, gestate," you know do an experiment interesting interesting stuff uh haven't seen the movie yet though so well they they specifically do not tell you they even say at the beginning we don't even know how this happened like in the narration it's okay there is narration at the (laughs) beginning i figured it was going to be something like that yeah Uh, they do a little bit of catching up since the last time we saw each other (laughs) did they literally open with that line no no it's but it is it is a little bit like that it's a little bit a quick uh Quick little recap. Well, that's good. Um, I'm sorry about your show, Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah. Man, we've just been taking L's all over the place, you know? Yeah. Fucking, uh, everyone was all stoked about that uh, Channel 5 show on HBO with uh, Andrew What's-His-Face, not Tate, the other guy. Who what did that documentary on Alex Jones? You know, it came out like a few last month. Has like Alex Jones documentary, a bunch of stuff about uh, January sixth. Anyway, he, everyone was talking about how cool that was, and then uh, like last week, a bunch of sexual assault allegations came out about that dude. The guy who does like the YouTube channel where he interviews like Chet Hanks and stuff. I'm not sure if it's the same one. He's got like long frizzy hair. Yeah. And then uh then Tim Heidecker, because I didn't even know that Tim Heidecker was the producer of that film. He had to do the big apology um TikTok video yesterday before he did his normal comedy show. Saying, Hey, you know, we didn't know, but obviously, you know, it's terrible and we believe the women and all that stuff. Um, and uh, then, you know, this morning you wake up to Justin Roiland's beating his wife. I don't know. Things are not great. And or girl, girlfriend or wife. I don't, I don't know if he's married. I didn't know. No, that. no. It was like a sexual assault. Oh, uh, I thought I thought that it was uh, it was like a, a battery and kidnapping charge or something like that. Oh, well, maybe that's the actual charge. But then other like text messages came out where he was the person was saying that uh she didn't give him consent for anything um and he was like <laughs> texting in his uh morty voice which is so weird to read that's really weird yeah um not on per i think that's how he actually talks which is <laughs> that, yeah what makes morty sense. is just his normal voice <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you know, and then your hero Dana White. Mm, yeah, that w- that's been the toughest one, really. 
Although right. out of all the three, the the one guy who seems to like be owning it the best, Dana White. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, he should definitely step down. Oh, it hurts the company. Okay, too bad. I don't. I don't really care. Um, it's uh, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't be allowed to be interviewed. Yeah. How's that sound? You shouldn't be allowed to uh, be in public and have people think that they should keep defending you. Um, but, you know. But who's going to watch Mavs games if Mark Cuban steps down because of sexual assault things that were going on in his organization? <laughs> who's going to watch the Mavs if Mark Cuban steps down? Who's going to watch uh, the Cowboys if Jerry Jones steps down? I know. That's what who's I've gonna... been saying. Like, no one. They'll all just stop. Like, the team probably won't even be able to play. They'll have to just forfeit all their games. Don't even have money for pads anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing, but sometimes in life we got to move on, you know? <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, so um, solidarity with you in this trying time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just have to find some new heroes, I guess. Yeah, You know how I always am, though. I've always got to have at least four or five celebrities that I completely lionize and worship at all times. So I mean, this is just a good chance the... for me to reshuffle the deck. Right, yeah. Well, Kanye's back at the top now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Kanye, can catch up Chris on what Brown, he's been doing Tom Cruise, years. they're all coming back to the top of the list. Right. John Travolta's <laughs> on deck. <laughs> Just give me, give me all Ellen. I, I'm all rock with Ellen again. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean Dale's retired, so right. we got to see what she's up to. <laughs> um, well, uh, so I found this one interesting, uh, just because I have absolutely bare minimum experience with cats, so. Uh, I was learning from afar. I was I was literally like reading the book on how to learn how to swim, like that one uh, <laughs> physicist. <laughs> now like, go so try. So that's it. what cats do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think it, in a way, it sucks that most of the comparisons between cat domestication and evolution and everything is always done to dogs, like some A-B thing. But mm. since we already did the dog episode, it is useful to be like, so everything you learned about how dogs worked and like how that whole evolutionary tree happened and all of the breeding then happened and all of the extreme morphology changes happened to dogs and how all that really influenced their behavior and all of the wildness was bred out of them intentionally and all of that stuff. This is it's the easiest way to say for cats is just forget all that. <laughs> just, just forget all that. It doesn't happen. Yeah. None. Imagine if, if like dogs happened, but then no one tried to make a pug. Like no one thought, what if we had like a like a cute version of this that I could keep in my lap in my Victorian mansion, and everyone just had like maybe a just a slightly smaller wolf. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's funny because like the the reason too that cats are so wild or they maintain all of their wild characteristics is just because of the personality of cats mm -hmm. because like you 
the way that you would keep them is like you don't keep them locked inside so that they never see another cat. I know tons of people who have cats that are totally domesticated and could not survive outside like for food or whatever, but are let outside like every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so cats for their entire time that they've been, you know, kind of domesticated have had the chance to like still interbreed with wild cats, which maintains all of their kind of wild, uh, wild type behaviors and stuff, which is pretty interesting that like, I mean, you would not do that with dogs. <laughs> you do not want <laughs> like we, you know, uh, Miho wanted to do the genetic thing on our dogs and, for however good it is, it at least said, uh, you know, which we know Totoro is like part husky. Um, but then it's just like, oh, yeah, that's like kind of you could consider it 12 percent of like maintaining wolf kind of characteristics or whatever. Mm-hmm. And most huskies are like, you know, 12 to 14 percent or something like that, um, which you would consider a wolf. And I think a lot of people are afraid of huskies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now imagine if you've got a 50% wolf, like, <laughs> just in every single house. <laughs> and that, that's the thing is, like, even the house cat that I have, the house cats I have here in my house that are just the American short hair, regular tabby cats, you know, not really any different at all than the ones from Egypt 5,000 years ago about 96% genetically the same to like a tiger. <laughs> it's not, there's not been a huge change or anything in the way that their DNA has gone. And even from like the very earliest cats, when if you go back, you know, millions of years, there hasn't been even great changes to the body, the body shape or the skull shape or the teeth or those types of big morphological changes even if you look at like prehistoric um ancient cats like the saber teeth cats and stuff like that they still have very um a lot of very similar musculature and skeletal structure and even your domestic cats have like the parts there that would be for the saber teeth they just don't grow them like big long knives that go down five inches past their face yeah the the like Shape of the cat is one that's pretty interesting because it it finds an interesting spot in evolution that like the body structure is <clears throat> one that's a pretty specialized body structure as I've spoken about multiple times, like comparing it to raccoons. Mm-hmm. But the the place that it holds in the chain of like food is it's like both predator and prey like it they can still be hunted for things so it's kind of interesting because it's like they're not uh the type of animal that would be that would go extinct if you know uh mice went extinct or whatever right like they would probably have a harder time but they can catch birds or like snakes or whatever and then they can also be hunted so it's not like a one of those cascading effect like um type of extinction events or whatever right the, their success has much more been about their adaptability because of their right, body right. style um the way their senses work to be able to maintain hunting 
and it's it's a that's the big sort of branch that happens amongst the carnivores. Um, cats stay this very uh, exclusively carnivore lifestyle by being adaptable to continue hunting. So they subsist on like a hot, high, high, high protein diet. Like you cannot feed your cats like a bunch of greens or turn them into vegetarians. They will starve to death. They cannot, they don't have the enzymes to process any of that stuff or break that food, those food types down. Um, which is also why they have to hunt, but they have to eat quite a bit of meat, like all the time in order to keep going. This is this this is the case with lions, but this is also the case with the little kitten in and in your house and the bobcat that's in your in your back alley, and the uh, the uh, jaguar that's in Central America. It's all the same. They have to maintain a very high protein content in order to stay alive. Um. So in the other branch of carnivores, like where we get bears, in that branch from, they adapted to become more om- omnivorous like they could eat plants and not just rely on meat and then you see that distinct change in like their teeth structure and they have like the molars in the back for grinding on on plant matter and other types of food sources rather than just relying on on meat um and cats basically have no like you can open your your cat's mouth right now they basically don't have any of those grinding capabilities on their back teeth if they have anything they're like uh what a little what like a human baby gets when it's born that eventually falls out they don't have any of the that that stuff to do any kind of grinding or processing of different types of foods yeah the cat's skull is such an interesting shape that it's so compact like everything's just tight (laughs) in there um which is like an adapted sort of thing like like you're saying all of their like that's what i was trying to get at saying their predator and prey is they have to adapt to like being agile and so that they can get away but also catch thing like it's it's a very interesting cross section of like you know you would look at a, a this type of cat i would imagine if it was an extinct species long ago you could be like oh this is kind of like an intermediary like they were able to do this and then they became this kind of thing like the evolutionary pressures which doesn't exist on the same degree for cats now yeah uh because there's what like 600 million cats worldwide and that's Uh, just like the small the small ones not talking about we're not talking about big big cats yeah in those numbers so are you do you um have a like preference for big cats too like do you like yeah big yeah. cats because you have cats or you have that kind of propensity to um like cats? i i don't know if it's what if chicken or egg thing i've always i guess the cats i i just have had a connection with but it's not like i was never a dog person i've had dogs yeah. my whole life and chickens and rabbits and lots of other animals too um but I think I feel like cats are like a polarizing type of animal for a lot of people. Like I feel like there's way more people who are dog people that hate cats versus people that are only cat people and they hate all the other animals <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. Uh, um and I I think that has a lot to do with just the affability and sort of the 
personality relationship between humans and felines and versus humans and dogs. Like we talked about in the dogs episode, how dogs were specifically bred for their obedience and subservience. And so the reason dogs have all of these needy codependent traits um, is because they've been engineered to be that way. Um, mm-hmm. That's why they get depressed and lonely and anxiety when you're not around and all of that type of stuff. Um, which is a good feeling to have when you're around with each other because it is like this, oh, super friendship that um, we can't uh, undo. Like, this is a bond forever, just like two little kids on the playground type of thing. Um, but at the same time, the I, I feel like there is some sort of latent thing going on in the back of your head if you're just a solo dog person that, you kind of like being the master. Like you like having this master servant relationship with something that will unconditionally love you. You could probably even do horrible things to it and it will still beg for your affection. Whereas that is not the relationship with cats because they have not been bred to have any of those wild personality tendencies taken away from them. It is their terms all the time. Which is sort of, um, I guess, you can think of it as like uh, an inclusive way of a relationship with an animal um, that you don't want to have a thing that is, is it, it's, it's kind of a hollow feeling if all the time it's just them trying to please you. There is like some sort of middle ground where you have to understand them and they have to understand you. And then that relationship just works on those terms, not like, oh, I I think that most cats, and I've had cats when I was a kid, that if they're not getting it at home, they'll just light out. You know, they'll go, they'll be gone. I've had cats that have been gone for like six months and then they eventually come home or they just move in with another family down the street. <laughs> um, you know, we, I've had a cat, when we used to have outside cats when I was a kid, where the uh, like the people down the street fed it every day and treated it like it was their cat, and then it would come back to our house and we would feed it and treat it like it was our cat. And so he had like multiple families down the block that he was just like, yeah, I guess it's cool to have multiple. I can go meow at different doors and get whatever I want, type of thing. Because poly it's, cat. Well, it's just the it's the the cats are manipulating the environment, and like right. we talked about, like with. Um, crop domestication and stuff where was it us that domesticated plants or was it plants that domesticated humans is very similar dichotomy with cats too we did not domesticate them like we domesticated livestock or dogs to be like our our uh, servants or to do some work for us that's not the way that it happened i'll let you take care of your dogs real quick yeah yeah they're They just hate this episode. I mean, uh, for good reason, right? (laughs) But the, uh, what I was getting to just to say that the affinity for cats, um, I think does go back to a lot of sort of, uh, conveniences, uh, in evolutionary development where it happened to be on the same wavelength as humans. And 
There, yeah. There's like studies on this that are ca- called like the cuteness factor. Um, and kittens are rated like the cutest animal if you, in general studies over many, many times. Lots of people, kittens will always be rated the cutest animal. And even like baby chimpanzees are rated higher than puppies. And the reason is, is because of this ratio between the size of the eyes, the smallness of the nose and the smallness of the chin. Like in a kitten, those proportions are very similar to that of a human baby. Mm -hmm. In a puppy dog, the snout is always going to be long. Like you can find dogs cute because they're floppy ears and their little puppy stage and all that. But the connection that we have with the cuteness of a puppy dog is not the same dopamine release that's happening when you see the face of a cat the dopamine release that happens when you see the face of a kitten or the face of a baby chimp is the same one that happens when you see the face of a baby human and so there is an idea that it's not that we domesticated these cats because we needed something to kill off the rats around all the grain stores that really wasn't the thing that was going on there was actually an initial connection that was before that that had to do with this dopamine release that we just were like, couldn't resist it. It was a, we were drawn to them type of thing. Yeah. Then that, that leads into like, you know, every cat owner I know um, definitely likes to bring up the, you know, they were worshiped in Egypt and they know that like (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing, you know, like uh, it definitely makes sense that uh, cats sometimes do seem like they're like, yes, I know that you're, I'm irresistible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is so like the, uh, when we lived in Japan, my coworker found like three cats, three kittens in like a cardboard box. And my, um, how do I even say my brother-in-law's now ex-girlfriends, but she lived with the family my in-laws at the time uh your ex-girlfriend-in-law uh yeah i guess i don't know that still sounds wrong but uh yeah she she like had grown up with cats and she really wanted one of them so like the family kind of adopted one of them um and now she has it uh and so that was like my experience with the with the cat and it was very cute um but it it also was like really dumb Mm. um is does that play into like the cuteness factor because it like it would i don't know if it had something wrong with it but it would like think that it was hiding but it was standing in the middle of the doorway yeah like look like it was hidden like you know thought that it was crouching or something but it's just like in plain view i i think those are just like uh that, the other reason people like kittens a lot is because of how much they play. Like, the reason people watch the videos of them incessantly is because they like the 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 clumsy toddler-style playing that happens amongst kittens. And since they are ambush predators, most of the play is simulating all of these different ambush... St- trying them out, just see if this one works type of, type of trial and error. Um, yeah. Because, like... Cats don't have a great sense of smell compared to like dogs. Dogs are obviously um, like hunters, you know, distance. They will uh, chase animals, chase their prey, wear their prey down, chase them over long distances type of type of thing. 
Cats, not about that. They will stay still and wait for the prey to come right in front of them and then just ambush them. That's the way all of their senses are set up for it. They're like cheetahs, you know, they only have 30 seconds of burst before they're gassed and they need to like rest for nine hours before they could do it again. Um, so it's not, I, I feel like a lot of that is just all the evolutionary baggage that's built in from, you know, a hundred million years of mammalian development. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, it makes sense. That's <laughs> my mother-in-law watches cat videos all the time. She, I have a vivid memory of walking past her one time as she's just like hunched over her laptop. She's just staring at a cat video and just under her breath goes like, YouTube is awesome. <laughs> so, uh, but she's she's 70, so that you know makes sense to be uh amazed with the cat videos. Um the so the I guess the other thing is that like humans have had the connection with cats in ways that like we don't really know. Like the the oldest domestication, I suppose, that we know about, like, what, 11,000 years ago that they have uh, the evidence from the island of Cyprus and the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And on the island, the population is, at least at the time of, like, the video um, that I was watching about it, like, I think it's from PBS, the population of humans was 1.2 million and then the population of cats was estimated at 1.5 million <laughs> um, which is is an interesting sort of uh change in the way that people at least in america would view cats that they there they're like this is like an infestation <laughs> this right. is out of control and the government wants to like cold the cat numbers right so now um, there's like sanctuaries for the cats to live on where if they're in these allotted zones the government can't touch them <laughs> right and uh the evidence for like you know people bringing cats there dates back to there's like a a burial site that's like what ten thousand years old or yeah, something ten thousand six hundred i think uh it has a a cat and a human both buried together and the significance of them being buried together is that they the the proximity at which they have them they're only 16 inches apart mm -hmm. um and the cat wasn't like butchered or anything no um, it's like a young cat it was only like nine months old or something yeah which they think meant that they like killed it so that it to could be buried, be buried with, with yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's not nice. Or maybe they that. both um, died in the same accident. Maybe. Yeah. They left their gas stove on. Exactly. Yeah. And, they, uh, so that is pretty interesting, but to know that they don't, I mean, it makes sense that they don't have evidence cause that's a, seems like an extremely rare thing to find evidence for, but they don't know exactly like how cats were domesticated around that time so it's like all kind of hypothesis based on those things like the cuteness factor and then the you know they helped with like pests or whatever um mm -hmm. but it's kind of interesting to just imagine that it, it's funny because you all of those theories you start to throw ideas at the wall yeah and uh what was the thing you were talking about with uh when we were speaking with jorts that like if you are adding significance to something then that 
is like a dangerous thing. Yeah, if you don't know that something was significant to the people that you are studying, like the astrological arrangement, then you it cannot be significant unless you know the intent. There is no significance yeah. without intent. So if you do not have any way of knowing what the intent was, you cannot determine that something is significant just because you drew a line between two dots. Which is, it's feels like a funny gray area with this because we can kind of understand the uh, intent of why you would want cats around. Like with this genetic, or I guess, uh, you know, your dopamine release, loving the kitten face. Mm-hmm. And then knowing that cats are useful, um, so you can see that there is this significance to it or this importance. And so you can see why they would bring cats. But it's funny because you're like, did they did they just have cats like in their cabins as they sailed to Cyprus? Or did they like have to capture wild cats and then they released them there? Yeah. Um, so that they could like have them to do whatever. So it's kind of interesting that there's, uh, I think people, especially when it comes to things like domestications of those types of animals have draw significance from them. Like they think like, they oh, like yeah, to, yeah they're, they like to develop a narrative that would right, make right, sense. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Everyone was eating grain because every, we had just started agriculture. And then everyone noticed that people were getting sick all the time because rats were, and mice were getting in all the grain stores and, you know, causing, they were putting feces all over the, all of the grain that caused people to get sick. And so they needed some way to get rid of those rodent pests. But, um, I was reading this book called the lion in the living room. It's a good book. People should check it out if you're interested in this topic. Um, but the lady that wrote it, she, one of the things she was talking about was not doing this sort of create a narrative that fits because at least with dogs there is the evidence that there was like the proto dog that was wolf-like that was around encampments and then that went through a domestication process similar to like sheep and goats and other things like that um there is not a thing where there was like uh, a tiger that was hanging around human encampments and people were like, you know what? It might not be bad to have a tiger around all the time. Yeah. And so then they just started like petting this tiger and, made, and you know, had it have babies. And they were like, what if we made some, found like a smaller tiger and made like a cuter version of it. And you know, that's not part of any of the history. So it is uh, trying to overlay human experience over the top of the cat evolution story to see where there might be some, touching points that make sense um the contention in this book more is that because they've done other studies like modern studies like in new york and miami (laughs) where there's lots of mice there's lots of rodents everywhere um way more than the number of cats even though there's lots of cats and it's not like the cats are controlling those rodent populations um So the real thing is more that is probably more along the lines that cats are carnivores, but they're also scavengers and they love trash. Um, So whether it was there when human societies were first developing, it's not that there it was worried about protecting the grain. It's that there was a lot of leftover meat on the bones and all the trash piles and cats hung out there. And so did all the rodents and vermin. And because they were next to each other 
if there was enough trash supply, cats wouldn't go after the rodents unless it was just out of their own mousing instinct or whatever to pass the time, kind of uh, get their exercise for the day. Because if they're being fed with an easier meal, they're not going to go hunt for the meal, you know? Yeah. Um, But what maybe had been observed, and this is what has been observed in like modern studies of this, that it's not necessarily that the cat on a farm, um, you just drop a cat on a farm that's infested with mice that all of a sudden that cat's just going to build up a pile of bodies because he's just like killing mice all day. You know, what happens more is that the mice don't come around. They're not being killed. Just the presence of the cat will keep the mice at bay they might they're not gonna they're not gonna come around as much and so that might have been the thing that people noticed it's not so much that the cats were actively doing the bidding of humans the humans were like man we got to control this pest problem let's train a cat to kill them all that's not the way that it probably happened it was more that they were right next to each other and since they were right next to each other all the time the mice kind of eventually got wise well if for some reason the food supply in the trash pile uh, is inequitable. Uh, I'm going to be the next meal here. So I'm going to keep my distance a little more than I was. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, like it's interesting to then see how different it is than what people would imagine. Cause like, I don't know. It is funny that, uh, the, everyone thinks like, Oh yeah, they had cats so that they would like hunt the mice and everything. And I mean, I haven't tried it, but I can't imagine cats are easy to train to do like <laughs> something like that, you know? They're not. Um, I, I've I've been to the cat show, the like Russian circus cat show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing what those cats can do, but it's got to be like you have to, it's, you probably, they probably go through lots of cats to find the cat that has the temperament that's willing to do the trick, you know? And then they work with that one. And that's the other thing, different than dogs, where dogs, you can actually go to like obedience training and that course can be like an hour long and the dog will sit there and pay attention as long as you've got the treat for the next trick. They'll just keep doing it, you know, until you pass out or they pass out. Cats, you might get like a minute. You might get like five minutes of their attention at most at any given (laughs) time. So if you're trying to to develop a skill set in that cat, it's long haul. And you have to have a very specific setup of rewards and things like that in order to elicit the behavior that you want out of them. And it's going to be lots of trial and error and a long period of time before it clicks for them. Or And it might be that it clicks for them the first day, but for them, they have still the wild, a wild um, interpretation of the world. It's on their terms. They're they're not doing anything for your benefit or for your pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing that like it can easily get uh put in reverse that it you think that they're doing it for you and uh, no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which uh, you know, and then you have like obviously in the written record um you know, once we have like 6000 years ago there's lots of written accounts of cats on boats. It's like a common occurrence, even in the first like Mediterranean vessels that are going between Egypt and Rome and stuff like that. Always a cat on board. Um, and whether that is seen as like a good luck charm or a mysticism charm or a religious thing or 
um, the significance of, hey, you know, if we have the cat just keeps on the boat, then none of the mice try to get on the boat while we're docked places. Uh, there's You could connect lots of different things because all the different ports where those cats came from, the cats had different significance in all of those different cultures. So you, you don't really know which is the driving factor for domestication or which is the driving thing that made cats popular in Alexandria versus Rome versus how maybe they were treated in, in China and Japan and uh, versus how they were treated like in America <laughs> during polio. <laughs> what is it? How were they treated then? Oh, I'm remember we did our polio episode, you know, they killed like a million cats up and down the Eastern oh, right. seaboard. Cause they thought that uh, cats, especially black cats were the uh, carriers of polio giving it to all the kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, it does is polio around anymore? <laughs> Cats are. <laughs> Didn't think so. Um, I found it kind of interesting, like looking up how they land on their feet all the time. Yes. Uh, so that's that's one that like it's easy to watch a video and then draw a conclusion from it, um, and. It'd be the exact wrong yeah. <laughs> like way that they do it. So that was kind of cool. Um, like whenever a cat is say, and, and this was studied like in the 1800s, the person, uh, like the first person to use like a camera for scientific study and purposes. One of the first people, I suppose, probably who would, you know, expose the film to light and then cover it and then expose a new piece mm-hmm, of film mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, and they're just dropping cats off the tower of London, to see which ones bounce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they're, you know, of course holding the cat like by its feet so that it's totally upside down. And the prevailing theory before then was that cats like give a kick off of whatever they're falling from to help them rotate. Mm hmm. Um, but if you do it now and if you see it, they don't kick off anything. You can just totally drop them from their feet and they'll land on their feet. So they're turning 180 degrees with nothing to initially rotate against, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, against Newton laws of motion. Um, but it's. Like you, you watch the video and you see like, oh, they twist their upper top and then their, their tail rotates in the opposite direction. Um, so it must be their tails like a counterweight kind of thing. And that's why they can rotate. And then you, uh, see them do it with a bobtailed cat and they're able to land on their feet too. So (laughs) that theory goes out the window. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a gyroscope in between their ears. That's that's what allows them. They always know which way is down because of that. And we have that a little bit. Like we talked about it in our senses series with proprioception, your awareness of your body in space. And we talked about um, even with hearing how like if when we get vertigo, if you have like inflammation in one of your ears or if you have a, a imbalance in that little bitty level bubble that sits in the back of your brain between your ears that is giving you uh, that sense of stability that that can really throw you off and you can lose your 
space, you feel vertigo. Uh, or like uh, when we were talking about it was when uh, Simone Biles had just bailed out of the gymnastics events in the Summer Olympics because she lost the ability to know where her body was when she was flipping in the air to know if she could land on the ground in, in a safe way. She just lost, like, that's what was freaking her out. She was scared she was going to get hurt because when she was spinning in the mid in midair, she had no idea where she was. I don't know how you lose that. Was it, did she fall and then that, like... I don't know if like it's, maybe it was... Kind of if it was because of maybe a sinus infection type of thing or oh. uh, I can ima- I can imagine it being food allergy. Like I know for me, um, I had to cut down. The, one of the reasons I cut caffeine and then cut down on my sodium intake was because my that inner ear part is just a little narrow on me. And if I have too much salt those and caffeine, then those little blood vessels don't get the circulation and then I get the... I get all out of balance and out of whack. My little gyroscope goes goes haywire. Oh no, Joshy. <clears throat> so, but the, like, that's that's <laughs> dogs don't have it. <laughs> Go try. <laughs> you could try to do the experiment with dogs, but I, if, if as long as you've got the doctor bills to pay for their broken backs and hips when you drop them <laughs> from, yeah. from their feet. I found it cool that so the the physics of it is like. They they arch their back, so say their back is facing the ground, and they by arching their back, they then essentially divide their body into two halves. Mm-hmm. Um, they tuck in their front paws and extend out a, a perpendicular to their rotational axis, their back feet, and then twist in opposite directions so that the angular momentum is preserved. They had, you know, zero mm-hmm. uh, angular momentum at the beginning. So if you're rotating in opposite directions, you're saving that. You're just rotating against yourself. But because their front paws are tucked in close and their back ones are extended, the top half of them rotates faster. Yep. You know, like if you're looking at a bicycle wheel. Like a figure uh, skater when they're spinning and they pull their arms in, they spin fast. And when they stick their arms out, they slow down their spin. And so the back part only rotates at a slower degree because they're the mass, the center of mass of that half is like, you know, farther extended. So it's going to rotate slower. So they reach the you know 180 degrees with their front part and then extend out their front paws so that that inertia begins to slow down and stop meanwhile they extend their back legs uh parallel like along the axis of rotation so that it can then twist around just with that force from the top half twisting Mm -hmm. Um, it, before they like extend their legs, uh, for the impact and everything and watching it with that sort of frame of reference on a high speed camera, it's, you're like, wow, this, <laughs> this is actually very, very skilled. And for, you know, just evolution to impart that n- instinct on, uh, like every single cat is pretty wild. Yeah, that and that gets to the just the body type that has been pretty consistent for the entire lineage of all felines. Um, the the 
like you're talking about the spine is the most fascinating thing about the cat. One, because of this sort of double jointed nature that it has where it can rotate around on itself at different segments all throughout it. But two, the really um, evolutionary advantage that it has over all of the other spines in in uh, the animal kingdom is that but one, cats have more vertebrae than most mammals. Even other mammals that have tails, they have more vertebrae. But those vertebrae are more spaced out based uh, in scale with their body size than any other mammal. And in between those spacings of each vertebrae is a very high elastic um, el- elastic material. Um, so those they're not rigidly fused together the, or they're or they're not grinding. It's actually springs between each vertebrae. So when wow. you see a cheetah run, the reason a cheetah can go fast is not because it's got insanely powerful leg muscles. The reason a cheetah goes fast, if you slow it down, what you're watching is the complete collapsing of its spine into this humped, coiled shape, and then it releases that energy. So it goes from potential energy to kinetic energy, potential energy to kinetic energy. And the release of that in the spine is what's propelling that cheetah to be the fastest land animal. That's also why the cheetah is the one cat has that one evolutionary um, trait that's different than all the other cats. Its claws do not retract because to go that fast, you have to have permanent cleats. Like you have to have cleats because your spine is going to be shooting you forward like a rocket ship. And if you don't have anything to give you traction, the you're going to they're going to fall on their face like they can't cut. They can't do anything. So in order to sort of get over accidentally having uh, your claws retracted and slipping and falling and hurting yourself because you're going so fast, cheetahs, their adaption is they cannot retract their claws at all. They're just always out like football cleats. That would be a very interesting uh, physics video to watch. <laughs> just <laughs> cheetahs without claws. Do, uh, the the other cool th- physics video on cheetahs, if you like, do the slow do slow mo three D animation of it, is when they when they cut, when they turn, because usually cheetahs are fast in straight direction and they're taking an angle at which that they can intercept the prey in the shortest amount of time. Um, but you know you're chasing antelopes, you're chasing little uh, youthful deer and things like that. Um, they're gonna change direction so cheetahs have to change direction and they change direction with their tails which is another just fascinating thing that they can just by rotating their tail like a propeller in either the clockwise or the counterclockwise direction will throw their body like a gyroscope in a spaceship on in zero g you know you turn the gyro on to get the spaceship to rotate or change its orientation um Rotating that tail will cause the the mass of their body to just shift enough that now they're cutting on a knife edge and being able to make that turn without having to slow their front legs down in order to like, you know, turn their body shape in order to make that turn so they can maintain the speed the whole time. Yeah, our our dog Chibi definitely tries that move um, <laughs> quite often. He, he'll definitely do it running down the stairs too because he like the way that he kind of rotates his whole body going down um he's a little spring i don't understand it 
That's why uh, Chibi's is like short for cheetah dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is also <laughs> spotted. No, the the uh, the coloring characteristics are the other kind of interesting evolutionary deal. Um, most of all the colorings that you see on every, modern household cats, like tabby cats, like the gray and black stripe or the orange striping patterns, um, those are all the same striping patterns that they had in the wild. Like the wild versions of that cat, um, old Sylvester, uh, the same. It didn't, it's not like that changed. The sort of new, uh, uh, bringings of of colorings are happened like in the last couple hundred years with calico and some things like that that happened with breeding to try to get different types of coat outputs um but most everything is just a genetic representation of a type of pattern that you would find in a wild cat um so even like um we talked about last week with the snails but like uh in Siamese cats, that is where it is just a slight mutation on their melanin creation capability, where the factory that creates the melanin doesn't work on the parts of the body that are more closely related to where the internal organs are and the parts of the body that run hotter. Um, the melanin process doesn't work in that hair, but the mutation doesn't affect melanin being created in the cooler parts of the body, which is like the feet, the tail, the nose, and the ears, which is why Siamese cats are white with dark tails, dark nose, dark ears, dark feet. Um, because that that slight mutation only affects them <laughs> from creating melanin on their main body part, um, which is like a thing that you would really selective for if you were breeding dogs and then really, you know, in the Victorian area era, go crazy trying to hyper focus those types of things and create this weird, you know, hybrid chimera animal that you could do. But that's kind of the, the furthest uh, level of like a, a breeding enterprise of trying to create a certain type of outcome of a physical features when it comes to cats. Are, did those animals, or the, I guess, Siamese cats, were they, like, from Thailand? Or is that one of those things that people just, like, named them? Yeah, I think it's that? more that they're named from the, from the, the uh, royalty or the kingdom that they were, uh, that they were associated with. Where, okay. Whether they were actually worshipped there or just the different the royal family at the time just had an affinity for cats or maybe they were gifted cats or would give cats to other kingdoms as like a part of their trade and good relationships type of thing another thing you just we don't know what the significance of what the intent was so it's tough to determine what the significance was yeah yeah um Man, it's so tough because that stuff is like so interesting that they like you breed cats in such an interesting way that it's I, I don't know. That's that's one of those things that it seems like people either, you know, had to at some point kind of purposefully breed them for that coat color and everything or the patterning. Mm -hmm. But it is 
again, totally just like a genetic kind of fluke yeah. that that occurs, like which makes it almost seem ridiculous to <laughs> genetically modify like animals at that level for like a coat color difference. I don't know. Um, but, but I found that pretty interesting. But like with the with the uh, uh, what was it? The Irish wolfhound, you know, where uh, they had to right. recreate that one from scratch because it did go extinct. And so they just grabbed a bunch of random dogs and kept mating them together till they found one that looked like a picture in a book. And we're like, yeah, we, we brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So weird. Um, I always wonder what it would be like to have one of those dogs, but. I'm glad that cats, people didn't do that with cats and breeding them to be the size of tigers. <laughs> well, that that's the, that's the other thing is uh, if you have pet cats, you will know that if they were even just a little bit bigger, it, you couldn't have them as pets. If they were just a, like, e- even if you love them and you have an amazing relationship with them, they have claws and teeth and they have all of their wild instinct still in them. Um, so you're going to get scratched every once in a while. You might, you might get a, get too hard of a bite during a play session, just like what happened with their brothers and sisters. If they're, you know, play fighting and then one of them takes it, you know, just a little bit too far and bites down just a little bit too hard. Um, that's going to happen. Whereas I like, if that happens with dogs, you know, I feel like people get like, oh man, should we put this dog down <laughs> type of type of thing. Whereas because cats are the size they are, it makes it, ah, you know, whatever. This cat, cat scratched the back of my hand. It's not the end of the world. But if the cat was 60 pounds and could, was three feet tall when it stood up on its hind legs, that scratch on the back of your hand, uh, it's maybe not something you're even coming back from if it's deep enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why you can't have like just, you know, you think a bobcat is small, even when you see them in the wild. But if you brought a bobcat in your house and you see that it's really like two and a half times bigger than your regular domestic house cat. And you see that those claws are actually like two and a half inches long. Um, you don't want that for a pet. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I feel like a lot of people try, though. Uh, yeah, dude, those people that have, like, tigers and shit for pets or, like, a mountain lion, and um, that they're just waiting for just to one morning be woken up by having their, their throat being ripped out. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, the, the cat doesn't, they are, they're wild. It's the same thing. Like, uh, they, they they might think they're playing, but they don't know if they accidentally, you know, slice your carotid artery. <laughs> yeah, that's... Isn't there, like, some law that's uh, proposed in... Is it federal? Like, banning the owning of, like, wild cats um, and Yeah, stuff like that, that was from the Tiger King show when the lady went to Congress to do a big... Uh, testify in front of congress about the cruelty to large game animals and trying to end the uh um uh bad breeding practices of those sort of exotic uh places that are like in oklahoma and texas and florida and things like that where they don't really take care of the animals that's gonna be like this another culture war thing i bet right just like this gas stove thing like (laughs) like rich people have gas stoves we have a gas stove but in california it's like 
pretty common to have them just the way that things are set up. Yeah, we talked but, about with the methane deal where like in the last uh, zoning thing for LA, they still didn't remove like it's kind of a requirement yeah. to to plumb everything for gas. Still. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Like I mean, I would rather not have one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it is funny uh, seeing so many people online being like, <laughs> can't believe people would have gas stoves, those uh, elitist morons. And it's like, yeah, you know, uh, not all of us have a choice to just <laughs> no, no. buy a new stove. It, um, it really depends on like the state you live in. Like if you live in Texas, where natural gas is a huge commodity for all of the wealth of the state, they're putting that shit in everywhere. Like anywhere we can put yeah. it, we're... You, you, uh, you want to use this for your hot water? You want to use this for how? Oh, why don't we just hook up a a, a permanent gas line to your backyard for your grill? <laughs> oh, you want you want to heat your pool in the winter? What we could do that with gas? <laughs> like, That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's so like I don't know. It's one of those things that it's like a. It's so funny, like all of these culture war things, because actual like poor people are not getting involved in the culture war it's just like suburbanites um who are on both sides of it screaming about it and then the rich people are not going to hear you because they're elites (laughs) yeah Uh, they don't care about what you say on twitter in fact they're happy twitter exists so that you can get your you can vent there (laughs) instead of actually going and doing something (laughs) uh but you know well and and, you know the the that's all the positioning thing of um, no one positioned it as uh, guess what there's there's going to be a mandatory buyback on gas stoves and if you don't turn in your gas stove by Friday you know we're military police are going to come throw you in Gitmo which should happen maybe <laughs> but uh, that is uh, that's the way people take it when people when uh, they read something that says uh, you know maybe we should think about just and future development requirements, uh, not putting gas lines in houses. What if like, yeah. not now, but maybe in the future, <laughs> we should have this, we should think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild that that is, causes so much of a global warming issue and health issue. And it's just like... And it's not new. Like this is, a, it's directly yeah. related to the cat thing. Uh, like during the Black Plague... You know, everyone now everyone talks about it being rats, rats, rats came over on the ships. Rats were on the Silk Road. Rats brought it from everywhere to everywhere, just giving it to everyone. And then, you know, we had the better idea. Oh, no, it's not the rats, the fleas that were on the rats. And then we understood even more that it's actually not even the fleas that were on the rats. Like fleas would get on the rats. But these were mostly fleas that were shared amongst human populations. They're like human fleas, like all the towns are just infested with fleas and the fleas weren't even like getting on the cats they were just hopping from human to human because everyone's sleeping on top of each other in all these little places and it's pretty filthy everywhere just lots of fleas um but the when uh the the catholic church um was trying to deal with the plague and everyone being like i I don't know maybe god's not real we've been praying for a while and everyone's dying like my whole family died i I don't know (laughs) uh is this is this is this thing working what are we doing wrong here um that's when the the pope was like you know what you know what i noticed 
I noticed that there were these uh, black cats. They got a little bit of white, a little bit of white on their chest. Those are the ones you got to watch out for because those are the ones that you know were sent by Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Why would the white be a signifier? I, I guess it was like an identifier and somehow it was connected to a previous Celtic mythology about this cat this cat that was a black cat that had a little white fur on his chest and he would come and steal the souls of children because the I kind of like the Pied Piper story uh, mm. the the kids would be drawn to the cat and then the cat would lead the kids to, to hell type of thing um, so then since that had been like part of a Celtic mythology I guess had for a while and other people knew the myth it's easy for the Pope to then just say, hey, you know what? Maybe the whole plague thing is also associated with all these cats. So they they tried. They tried their darndest, like, to just completely exterminate all, all cats in Europe. Um, they, they were not successful. but Satan wins again. They tried really hard. Uh, Satan wins again. They, they were uh, there. There's uh, depictions of this stuff and like uh, relief drawings from the time where they would bundle up the cats and uh, by the hundreds and like drop them into boiling cauldrons of water and stuff to drown them and kill them like that. Crazy things. Then when uh, when it comes back around again, not the plague, but when um, you know Salem witch trials and everything starts starts up in America because one cats were on the Mayflower. They were there with the pilgrims. They're written about by the pilgrims being on the Mayflower with them. So if you want to go with like the original pilgrim colonial story, they're, they're on the boat. Um, but by the time you get the Salem development and the early colonies and you have the Salem witch trials, um, it is common again that the cats are the ones that are bringing the spirits. And not only that, witches can turn into cats. And so if you find a witch, you got to, you know, lock her up in a position at which she can't shapeshift into a cat to get away. And if you find any cats nearby where you know a witch is, you got to tie all those cats up and burn the cats with the witch to make sure that you get any of her fellow witches that were also cats, you know. So this is all happening up and down the eastern seaboard, just murdering <laughs> murdering witch cats and it's uh, it also happens in in europe you know uh lots of cats are burned at the stake uh, you know fun fun christian rituals like burning animals at the stake if you brought those humans to modern times would they would they be like are witches around and you'd say no and they'd be like eh, see no. <laughs> we did it, it. we did it <laughs> no no and then, and then you just show them like uh you show, show them like Chris Angel mind freak. And they don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> they don't know how to deal with the fact that David Copperfield made you, made the Statue of Liberty disappear. How did he do it? How did he do that? <laughs> we'll have to. I've heard mirrors, may, but that doesn't make maybe sense. Maybe when Mike Soroy makes his magic show, we'll finally learn the secrets. There you go. We need the Mike Soroy magic podcast. <laughs> He'll make his return. For more than one episode on the blowout feed. Yep, yep, yep. Well, it might have to be a freak thing. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're under contract now. Right. Right. I'm. I'm. I'm actually like a W. I'm a W two employee. I. I don't believe in contract labor. I said. 
take the withholdings out of my check. I want to pay my taxes. Yeah. Oh God, you just reminded me of the taxes exist. I'm gonna have to. Oh, I'm gonna get screwed this year because <laughs> you sold all those millions of dollars of paintings. Like, no, the opposite way. Oh. Um, had very little money coming in, but still have to pay for old Joe's social security. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. You're helping me stay alive. I would rather just send it to you. Uh, but you know, that's just the kind of guy I am. All right. Well, if we can get a big enough pool of people that would rather just send me the money, I'll stop taking social security. Yeah. We really should just start a Patreon. That's just, (laughs) just for that. (laughs) Like the, like that, uh, Christian ministries, health insurance commercial that's on the ticket. Yeah. 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 It's like, we're not insurance. (laughs) We're just a bunch of godly families that pool all their money together to pay for each other's medical expenses. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Transitioning is not included. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you want a C-section in a hospital? No, what, no. What, what's <laughs> what's covered on the plan? <laughs> yeah. Um, are you healthy enough in God's eyes? That would be funny to see what the the like biometrics are of the people applying for those things. Yeah, yeah. Because they've you know, in order to not actually lose money, they have to. Be very selective yeah. on who they get. No smoking, but, no drinking, no nothing. You, you got to go through a really rigorous health screening. Yeah, no but diabetes. also the type of people who are going to be gullible enough to sign up for something like that are most likely not going to the gym uh, four times a week, you know? Look, it's it's worked for tithing all these years. I don't see why it couldn't work for health insurance. Yeah, man, you got to listen to that episode. That podcast on the Martin Luther. Yes, <laughs> I I wonder how many cats were uh, were wrangled up and and as part of the Thirty Years' War. You know how how many cats got blamed for sh- for Martin Luther stuff? <laughs> Probably quite a few. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if the Anabaptists rebaptized them or something <laughs> before being strung up in cages at the church in Munster. Fascinating stuff. Okay. So I guess the last stuff on cats for me, I could do multiple episodes on this, especially if we like really wanted to drill down on like feline AIDS and really cool stuff like that. Um, Yeah, we could do that. uh, Like feline AIDS is just interesting because uh, the human study of AIDS really focused on how cats were basically able to live with it and not have it affect their immune systems. Like they developed a way to, they they were all giving each other AIDS, but they developed a an immune escapability to it, so it could just hang with them, but not negatively affect them. Man, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but the, I think the other the big takeaway from all of this for anyone is like if you think of cats from the the old company line of their aloof assholes who don't, you know, aren't social or anything like that. I, I think that's just a lot of uh, baggage from a lot of interpretations of people who had expectations of what pets and animals should be. And cats did not fit into that little tight box like a chicken or a goat or a dog or a horse or a cow did. And that irked them. And so they there's all these preconceived notions placed upon them. And um, 
I, I one interesting study said that part of that is because uh, cats have relatively expressionless faces. Um, the way that the muscles are built around their faces, they don't have this uh, nearly the same amount of like eyebrow and lip muscles like a dog does. So you can see like dogs can make the sad face and like raise their eyebrow like they're inquisitive and you can interpret all of these internal workings, internal monologue in a dog's head just by how they can move their eyebrows. Whereas cats, you can look at them and you can interpret that they're evil, vindictive creatures or that they're benevolent because their face is kind of neutral. So depending on what you are bringing to the party is how you are going to interpret them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they are the ultimate projection. Yeah, they they are they are very social. Um, they're social to the point where their their social ability has their behavior has adapted to work in concert with us. You know, they don't really carry on a lot of meowing whenever they're in the wild with other cats. That's just a little kitten face thing. But when they're with their human that they've been attached to since they were a baby, they maintain that meowing. And not only that meowing, but they maintain a pitch of meowing that's close enough to their kitten meow that it still resonates in the frequencies of a of a human baby's voice. <laughs> so when you hear your cat meow in the middle of the night as it's running around on the stairs playing, um, the reason that wakes you up is the same reason why a baby crying in the middle of the night would wake you up because it's doing some chemical work on your brain to make you recognize that it's there. Um, and that language between cats and, and humans is the, the more modern studies that have been done on it. It seems to be even more robust than what people thought was the language that was understood between humans and dogs when it came to like commands and things like that. Cats know their name. Not only that, cats know the voice of the person that's talking to them and will respond to that person that they have the bond with. And they they won't get confused if you say just a slightly different name than their name. They will go only to their name. Um, not only that, they have very specific different pitched tones in their meow, whether they're requesting for food or for affection, or if like something's in tr the matter, their tonality completely changes. They get this very low guttural sound where they're, almost moaning like a like a dying animal type of sound um so like if when you're taking them to the vet in the car and they they don't ever get in the car very much and they're freaked out they're just constantly doing this moan moan like sound the whole time so if you ever hear that when you're like at home and you're not taking them to the vet you know oh shit something's up like something's wrong if the cat's making this noise um and the, the interesting thing about it, though, whereas with dogs, commands are kind of ubiquitous. Like, you, if a dog can learn commands from one human, you can then teach that other human those same commands, and the dog will respond to this other human doing the same commands. Cats have a specific language that they develop with the human they're bonded with. So, if another human tries to do it, they don't work. And if another cat tries another cat doesn't understand this cat's <laughs> what this cat is saying type of thing whereas dogs have this um because of their pack mentality have this sort of uh 
herd understanding between themselves, even if they're all together and they hear a command from a human, multiple dogs will be able to respond to that command. Cats doesn't work like that. It's one one to one. You do you do a, spe- a special language for me, and you do a special language for the other cat. I don't want to hear the other cat's special language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the being a solitary like hunter kind of thing is is pretty interesting. That it like I don't know for some reason in my head I think you know animals have to really kind of be in a pack to survive but yeah cats don't work that way some do you know you got lions lions hang together um, but that's more because they control an entire ecosystem like lions on the savannah they are in charge of everything they decide when everyone eats not just the other lions like everyone is taking the cue off of what all those lions are doing so and because they're extremely territorial, all cats are very territorial, even your domestic house cat. But lions utilize their um, their pride and their progeny to help maintain the borders of their territory. And but it's also very hierarchical. Like if the if the alpha male from another territory comes into from like the north territory on the savannah comes to the south territory picks a fight with the other alpha male and wins um then all the other progeny of the losing lion they know they got to get out of there now or they're all dead because he's the the other alpha males coming in he's like i don't really have a use for any of you guys since you were that dude's son (laughs) So, sorry, it's my family or no family. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this movie. It's called Tarzan. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like, that. that's why it's always, you know, you can try to put different cats together in your house, and you never know if they'll be friends or not. Some will get along, some won't. Um, but it is that because cats have still maintain a very individualistic um, identity. Um, it has not been bred out of them to prioritize uh, some other behavior that is more useful to humans. Like their individuality still matters a lot. And even in the same breed, even in the same litter, like by three days old, there's distinct personality differences between brothers and sisters in the same litter. You will, you already know which one's going to be the asshole of the group type of thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's, it's just a, uh, a trait that they're basically wild animals that just live inside of our houses. Yeah. Ugh. I think I'm going to stick with my dogs for now. Well, there's always a chance to get a cat. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, is there any difference? I guess there is probably some, but like, is it more sketchy or less sketchy to get like a, a rescue cat? Like, you know, like, because people bred them, but they still have, like, the wild characteristics. So, like, as far as dogs, if you get, like, a bred dog, which I don't recommend anyone do, um, but they have, like, all the genetic problems because they've just been inbred, you know? Um, Does that same thing exist in cats? Not as much. One thing is interesting because the way cats breed, um, it's not one daddy per litter. So... A mama cat can have in one litter 
kittens from multiple fathers. So when a cat's in heat and she's out in the back alley moaning, trying to get the attention of all all the tomcats in the area, um, you might have like really selected a partner for her that you want her to breed with. <laughs> but if she's in heat, uh, all the cats from everywhere are coming around, like from a lot, a long distance are coming around. And it, all it takes is for you not to be looking for one second <laughs> for, for, for her to all of a sudden have a big diversity of sperm inside of her. And then her litter is not some purebred litter. It's a mixture of different daddies. Hmm. So they lay their eggs and then yeah. the eggs get They lay their eggs okay. and then different daddies come and sit on the eggs until they hatch. Interesting. Kind of like seahorses. <laughs> yeah. But there there is a there is like a one of the there's this documentary on Netflix I was watching and it does have like a contrast between these different Japanese studies of cats and American studies of cats. And one of the things they noticed as they were like trying to reproduce the experiments that they were doing in America and Japan was that there was across the board a much higher timidity factor with the cats in Japan. They were much more scared when they were in a new environment than cats from America. And there is a hypothesis that that's because over the last 200 years when cats really became pets and we started keeping them in our houses, because you also have to remember, it's not even until like the 1970s where cat litter is invented. <laughs> so mm. there's not like... Um, People had cats as pets, but it wasn't until even less than 200 years ago where it was like an idea that you kept this thing in your house all the time. Yeah. Um, but the the way that the cats have evolved um, sociologically inside of the culture in Japan versus the culture in America where they've in America, they m- might have grown up in larger spaces. They were allowed to go outside in suburban, large households type of thing. Japan, if they, especially where they're doing these studies out of Tokyo, everyone's living much more on top of each other. The cats, if they stay inside, are staying inside like a 600, 700 square foot space their whole lives. So when they get to go out, they have a much different way that they interact with the environment when they're in a new place. Um, and so there is, you know, the research continues, but the, I, there, the hypothesis is that human uh, culture and societal behavior dictates the behavior of the cats that live in that society. One, because cats have kind of this empathetic way of dealing with human beings. Um, and two, because the relationship has never been a true domestication, like a, like livestock or, or other pets, that the cats get to get to have like that half of the half of the argument where they get to determine their part of the behavior in the environment they're in. You know, it's not that we forced them into a situation and that's the only way that they can survive type of thing. Yeah, that's interesting because it's it's not something where it's just an immediate like uh, humans built this type of city. So the cats interact with it differently. It's like a an actual behavioral thing between the behavior of humans and behavior of cats. And then I, there's gotta be a word for it, but the, then that comes down to like the genetics, (laughs) like 
genetics being linked but not of the same species Mm -hmm. so that's pretty interesting yep so that's i guess my whole load for this morning all right (laughs) well i'll I'll, I'll enjoy the rest of your morning yeah (laughs) i'll let you catch up on your rest so you can go paint more yep yep uh i will be posting pictures um of this mural if it turns out good if it turns out bad you'll never see it are Uh, are there any cats in the mural like i know you're doing the little uh raccoon panda bear oh no (laughs) no it's it's changed okay uh we changed the design um so no no cats not even the little arm up cat that like waves its arm japanese arm up cat no yeah not doing a good luck cat monica neko um but i mean maybe in one of the rooms i think the guy wants me to like paint his there's like five uh private kind of dining room things with the old style of japanese restaurant that's like the you take your shoes off you sit on the floor and then the under the table it's kind of sunk down so you can put your legs down Mm -hmm. um he wants to like update those because he wants younger people to want to go into them right now. Older people want to go into them because they're really old style, except old people have bad knees, so they ah. can't get up and down that way. So, um, like, I love those rooms, though, because um, they're, like, kind of secluded, but I don't know. It's way more comfortable than just sitting at a table to, like, eat at that type of place. Mm-hmm. Does but. So does the... I guess it does it sink down underneath the table so you could extend your legs down underneath it or do you have to sit like cross-legged? You the way that it extend the floor kind of extends you could sit cross-legged and then kind of lean forward to eat Mm -hmm. or you can put your feet down so it's like you're sitting in a chair. Okay okay. They have also like I don't know what they're really called but I would say just a floor chair that's like essentially like if you ever buy like a bar stool from ikea and you know that it comes in like the the seat back section Mm -hmm. and then you can buy the legs separately if you bought just the seat back that's what uh you would be sitting on um and i love those things because you can like they're like rounded at the back too so you can like recline in them great for your back i love it (laughs) they need to they need to do like just take the um the raising rod that goes in the middle of like a uh, office chair or whatever and put some piston driven driven um electronics in there so like the seats raise up so like an old person could just sit down normal like in a chair and then it lowers them down to the table and then if they need to get up to use the restroom the piston drives the seat back up so then they can easily get out without having to climb out of it yeah yeah i suppose that could work um but then you still gotta there's you have to take your shoes off, so take putting your shoes back on is difficult to do. Mm. They need for like old people. If they, if you got to take your shoes off, there needs to be like they give you some restaurant slippers. They do have restaurant slippers, but uh, the sizes do not fit feet like mine. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, they're very small. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say they're all like goofy size, like uh, goof troop size shoes, you know. No, no, the opposite. <laughs> they're, they're toddler size. They're very small. Um, and then also, like, what, you want to go into the bathroom, like, with just a thin slipper on? 
do you have do they have those um the wooden sandals you know with the blocks on the bottom uh, i do know but no they don't have those those are <laughs> those are very traditional and i think hard to walk in <laughs> they seem like very hard to walk in it seems like maybe that was the point like they don't want women running away so they force them to wear these yeah i'm sure it's something that it's like uh you know it takes elegance to walk to walk in it in a way that looks elegant so that's kind of a status thing um and it shows that you're like it's one of those things where it's you know like in quite a few asian cultures like being tan is bad because that meant you were poor because you were outside yeah like in the farms it might be one of those things where it's like you know to wear these shoes you can't go anywhere fast which means you have to be kind of luxurious like you are taking your time it's like the guy i saw walking his turtle last weekend i was like that guy's got to block off six hours just to go outside. <laughs> just just every day walking down that sea seaboard looking for a mate for his turtle. Yeah, he just had like a grocery bag of cabbage that he would peel <laughs> off a leaf and throw it whenever he wanted it to walk in a certain direction. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, until next week, great job. Bye.